Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonnell here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. On this week's episode of the podcast, I'm actually out on site at a project with Alex Moyes. So many of you might not know Alex. Alex took part in the seven day joint venture finance raising challenge that we held on social media earlier in the summer. And he was one of five people who got to pitch a deal to myself and an angel investor for funding. I chose Alex's deal to fund. He's got the keys now, we're here in the property, and what I'm gonna do in today's podcast is talk you through the deal, the numbers, um, what the profits are gonna be on the project, and this is Alex's first ever property investment deal. So if you're listening into the podcast, you're looking to get started in property, you're looking at getting your first deal under your belt, then this is a really good episode to have a listen to so you can see how Alex has gone about the project. So um, thanks for showing us around, Alex. Um, obviously, this is your first investment property. When did you first start getting interested in investing in property and, and why? I guess I've always been interested in property, but what made me feel like you could do it professionally was um, about Christmas time, uh, searching Amazon for books, I'm a big reader, and I found Rob Moore's money book. Right. Um, and I read that as the first one I decided to read. And that's how I got into the progressive community, discovered the Facebook group, uh, found more of his books and Mark's books. Um, and I read, during the winter, I read probably 10 property books because um, I suddenly found that this was doable and there was a way that I could do it. You know, I had a bit of money, but like, that buy me a house and then what? And all of a sudden I realised that I could actually buy more. Yeah. And that's what I that, wanted to do. And that's one of the challenges a lot of people have is they have enough money to buy that first house yeah. and then they put all their money into the first house and they can't do any more and they're stuck. Yeah. So it's, I guess... Reading the books and, and getting part of the community helped you realise there's better ways. Yeah, it did. Um, and from that, I went on a discovery day at uh, Progressive and um, I had a really good day. I even learned stuff there that saved me money. And then I booked the masterclass course. Um, and that was the journey that I took really to start understanding all the different strategies, uh, listen to loads of podcasts, um, found more books and just started to try and understand you know, what you needed to learn to get started. Right. And the masterclass, that's the four-day training with Anne Holton and Peter Jones and Rebecca. Yeah, yeah um, that's right. How did that help you? What sort of things did you learn on that that helped you? Um, it was really good starting from the beginning, really, figuring out your area and the gold mine area, um, what types of houses to look for, and then how to go and do the viewings, how to view, you know, most people sort of walk in a house and, they look at like the furniture and stuff. It's how to actually figure out what's going to cost you money, yeah. how you're going to refurb it and what you're going to do with it. It's and to it, look at something like this and think that's an opportunity, not yeah. a problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. And things like moving that bathroom. Um, you know, Anne Holton did a great video about mm. moving bathrooms that I watched and I was like, oh yeah, great, now I can do that. Yeah. Um, suddenly it opens up a whole another way of trying to add value to places. So before you got in, uh, before Christmas last year, what was your life like? What were you doing? What, what's the job? Um, you married, kids? What were you up to? Yeah, so um, yeah, I've got a wife and I've got two kids and I have a corporate career in cybersecurity sales. And um, the, I really enjoy my career, but it's... Cybersecurity? Yeah. So is that all confidential? Yeah, I can't tell okay. you. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
I enjoy it, but I don't want to be employed forever. And I need to sort out, I need to provide for myself when I get to pension age, because at yeah. you know, my age now, you just don't expect to have a pension. Um, but, but pension age for you is like, what, 50 years away? Yeah. You've got, you, yeah, I mean, so I'm like 31 now. So, um, yeah, the earliest you're going to get state pension by the time I get there is going to be like 70-something. Um, so I just believe in sorting myself out and not relying on the government. Um, so, yeah, I, I got into property because I, I want to have a solid like, long-term um, foundation for me and the family. Um, and my two kids, we want to send them to a local private school. And that needs to be paid for. Um, so that's a real instigated to get me to do it now that's like why do it now why not in like five years time like that was a thing like i've got to do it for that um and then it, when you learn all the different strategies and what's available then you just think that you don't have to buy a house a year for 20 years and then maybe you can do something in 20 years time like there's ways to speed up the process and that's what i found really interesting all the different strategies you can use so um a lot of people that I meet in their, in their 20s and their 30s, they do have that plan of maybe trying to buy one or two properties for their retirement mm. or buy a few over their, their lifetime to then be able to retire on. And when I started my property journey, I looked at it at the start as well about a retirement plan. And I quickly realized this isn't a retirement plan, this is a now plan. Yeah. So um, what, what was the key bits for you that made you realize actually it's, it's, I'm not thinking big enough, this could be more than I wanted to, or I initially thought it could be that I can do more than one deal a year or one deal every five years. I suppose it probably goes back to that money book where Rob talks about the different levels of wealth and trying to understand what you might want uh, in the future and how you sort of structure your finances. And I understood that I don't want to work for money all the time uh, and I want to have more free time. Um, so I have, I have a good job. And so to replace that, to have the prospects of replacing that, you know, I need quite a lot of houses. So I've always, as soon as I realized it's possible, I did start thinking big. And like, I know that I need 33 houses like this one to replace my income, to give me right. that choice, whether I choose to do it or not. Um, and so that mean, meant right from the very beginning, I have to figure out a way of doing this because there's no way that I'm going to buy 30 houses on my own. Now that's just for the cash flow. That's not even thinking about the the capital growth and the equity yeah because that's the long-term plan and a lot of people they when they buy property i see them they they focus on trying to buy a property thinking about it'll always go up in value but one of the key parts about property investing is this the cash flow it's got to pay you today the the uplift in value is the bonus money that's the legacy money i mean equity across 33 properties is going to run into the millions in a few years time but that doesn't put your kids through private school at the moment no it's the cash flow you need to focus on for that so yeah. that's a really good plan. What would you say to anyone who's say, maybe watching the YouTube video at the moment thinking, um, I'm looking to get into property, can I do it? I'm in my early 20s, I'm in my early 30s. Um, is it something that I could do as well? What would you say to them? Yeah, I, I mean, anybody can do it. And they always, everybody says that, right? But, um, you know, I have a, a really busy career and I have a family and, um, you know, they support me well, but I find the time to do it because I want to and because I enjoy it. Um, and you just have to start. And I started doing viewings. And then once you start doing some viewings, then you started making offers. Um, and then, you know, you kind of build up. One thing leads to the, the next. You have to you have to sort of risk something happening, don't yeah. you? You've got to go out there and do it. And the next steps either will take care of themselves or you'll, you'll realise you've got to go and learn that thing. And then you can go and learn it and then you do it again. Yeah. Um, and that's what I found. Everything that I do opens up 
more options or more activities that I then need to go and learn about. And I learn about them and then, you know, you go through your journey like that. Yeah. So this property, you viewed it a couple of months ago? Yeah. So I actually viewed this when we were doing the JV finance raising challenge. Right. Um, that was about three months ago now. Um, I viewed it during that week. Um, tried to understand the situation of the seller, whether there was some motivation there, you know, and I thought that the house worked yep. and it definitely works from a rental point of view. So what was so. the situation of the seller of this property? Why, why was it on the market for sale um, and why was it in such a state? So the, um, the previous owner was an old lady who had gone into a home and I think the house had been empty for about 18 months by the time I viewed it. Uh, and it, so it certainly was looking unloved and a bit uncared for and it was being sold by her son um, and they'd, they'd had it on with two agents already I think they'd had sales fall through because of some of the issues that the, the house had Yeah. So, um, so you know I kind of identified that they were motivated because it was costing them money um, and that it worked for me in terms of what I could do with it and in the area that it was in right so, and it looks like it's going to be a really good project, a really good starting project. Um, obviously, this was three months ago when you initially viewed it. It's your first property deal. Yep. Um, have you, what's your plan for the second property deal, the third property deal? You mentioned a few minutes ago about how, you know, your, your plan was to build up for retirement. Yep. How quickly are you moving now? So... About a month after we agreed the price of this one, uh, I agreed a sale price on the second property. Um, and because I had that extra confidence, that happened a lot quicker, um, did more viewings. I understood where I wanted to view and kind of the house that I wanted. Um, I had a better idea of prices and things. So I made an offer and I think they were quite motivated sellers. And so I got a great price on that. Um, and now that's in the legal process as well. So, so, so that's the second two. deal. Yep. And um, my plan is to, it's kind of finance dependent. So I'm really trying to focus on raising finance right now so that I can grow that portfolio. Um, You know, I have an objective to get to that 33 um, in two years time, if possible, to give me choices. Um, I don't believe that I'll all be buy-to-lets. I think we'll start with buy-to-lets and then maybe progress on to some HMOs so that I actually need less properties to get there. So on, on the, um, the, the joint venture finance raising challenge, you were one of five people that got to pitch a deal to an angel investor, myself and an angel investor. And obviously I've, I funded this deal for you as part of that challenge. Um, did that challenge help you change your mindset about raising money or what was your thoughts on raising money before the challenge compared to where you're at now with your beliefs around money and how other people may invest in your business? Because you're, you're starting out, you're, you've not done any property. Some of the challenges I see from people quite a lot is the mindset of why would somebody give me money? Why would somebody lend me money? I don't have years of experience in property. It's okay for Kevin, but I'm at the beginning of my journey. Um, you were in Newark. It's not exactly like central London. Yeah. Would somebody want to put their money into a town like Newark? Um, so what's your beliefs now from reading the money book back in December through to the JB Finance Raising Challenge? Have you had a mindset shift around money? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing that I've had a mindset shift around is the fact that um, the world can be your bank or that social media can be your bank. Um, you know, I, I get money. I did get money in how it works because of my sales career. But it was, yeah, having faith that other people will lend me money if I present myself in the right way. And it, the challenge made me understand what my strengths were, what I could bring to someone. And it made me understand 
um, how my my contacts, my local knowledge, uh, the team that I have around me is of value to people. Um, and it also opened my mind up to how you know where you find them and how you put yourself out there and how you attract finance without going around you know saying I've got a deal and I want mm. some money. Um, you know I find that it's a lot that suits my character better. You know I don't I'm always kind of keen not to be perceived like a um, car salesman. Sorry for the car salesman out there. Um, so the, the, the sort of be credible, build relationships, yeah. take it, um, take, you know, be authentic, that's kind of really important to me. Um, and I find that investors like that because they want to get to know you. And once they get to know and trust you, then um, it becomes a much easier question to say, um, you know, how much yeah. money have you got to invest? What would you like to do? Um, from my point, the reason there was 800 people took part in the joint venture finance raising challenge. And the reason I chose to invest in this project, I didn't necessarily just invest in the project. I invested in you because what you didn't try and do was go on and hype it all up. I've mm. got this multi-million pound deal for my first every project or I'm going to make millions of pounds on this deal or even tens and tens of thousands of pounds. You were just very um, honest about the return on the deal. It was yeah. just a normal property on a normal tourist house in a normal street in a normal town for a normal return. It was not hyped up. It was just, this is what I've got. And these are the things that are the bread and butter of property investing. These are the things yeah. that I buy and all the time. We, we control these properties through lease options. We purchase them with JV Finance. And these are, these are the bread and butter of a property investing starting home. Yeah. And, um, and even to scale your business. Progressive property, the foundation of the business is built on terraced houses. So um, for anyone watching and thinking, you know, can other, will other people invest in you? It is about you being you. I invested in Alex because he, he was just Alex he, and he was not trying to be something he wasn't. And he presented a property that was just a normal house. So show, show yourself as you, show your area as something that you know, and just be honest and credible about what you've got. Don't try and overhype something because that'll catch up with you later and people will find out that it's not what it is. So coming in here today, having a look at this house, it's, it's pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And, and it's that when you're looking to join venture with people, they don't want surprises yeah. of, oh my God, there's no roof on the house or something. Or the numbers he told me doesn't add up. And the numbers, everything just seemed like it was logical and not like I'm only going to spend four grand and add 40. It yeah. was spending 15 and having 20 grand of equity at the end. So it was, it was really understanding your numbers. I didn't invest because he's done 25, 30 deals already. I invested because he knows his area, understands his numbers, and because he came across as honest, trustworthy, and had a property that he didn't try and overhype. And that's really important if you're watching this to focus on the key aspects of people are not investing in you because you've got loads of experience and have done loads of property deals already. They invest in you because you are somebody who understands what a deal is today. Doesn't matter you've not done one before, just what a deal is today. So I just want to feed that back to you as well about why I chose you for this deal and to help yeah. other people watching about why they would, what, what to look for and why they need to back themselves to do property deals. Obviously, I funded this first deal for you. Have you continued to look for, you mentioned your focus now on raising money. Yeah. How are you finding it um, attracting joint venture partners? Um, people with money, are they interested in working with Alex when he's at the start of his journey? How's that going for you? 
Yeah, um, so I'm trying to put myself a little more on social media and explain what I'm doing and talk about this house and what I'm learning. And I found that that's attracted a few people who have contacted me and asked, what am I up to? Kind of, what do I offer? Um, you know, what, what am I looking for? And so we've had a few conversations with uh, investors to get to know each other and understand what they're after and just tell them what we talked about, really. I tell them about the town and um, my team and that I know the area and what I'm trying to do and my goals and their goals. And um, they're definitely interested um, because they have money um, and they don't want to come up to a town in the Midlands and find houses. So, um, you know, it, it works really well. So what I always say is wealthy people, they valued their time. Mm. And what we tend to do is we pedestalize the money, but actually they pedestalize time. And they, they valued their time. And there's a really good saying that I learned once, once which I've always remembered was, um, and I'm going to get it wrong now for this, but um, wealthy people, they spend their money trying to save time, while poor people spend their time trying to save money. Yeah. And what we are doing when we're looking to raise joint venture partnerships, raise money for funding deals like this, is wealthy people will invest their money with you to save them time, where you and them both benefit from the project. Alex is going to benefit from this project. I'm going to benefit from this project. His new JV partners will benefit as well. Um, what would you say to anyone who's thinking, we're looking and thinking, do I really need my own money to do property? Could I start in property without any of my own money? Yeah, I'd say that you have to figure out what you have got. Um, and everybody's got something. If it's the energy and the enthusiasm or the, the local knowledge or the team, uh, you can find the other things that complement what you have got. Um, so absolutely, taking action and telling other people what you're doing is probably the main thing that you've got to do. Because like what people don't realise is that a, a person with money would come in here and not see the opportunity to turn a two-bed terraced house into a three-bed. Yeah. They wouldn't want to rip all the wallpaper off the walls. And um, by the way, who, have you done that yourself? No. Who did no. that for you? Uh, my parents have been stripping out the house this you week. You got your parents to rip the wallpaper off the walls? I have, yeah. Right. I'm very lucky. They've, been, um, they've put a lot of hours in uh, for free for this. Um, Child labour is what his parents did to him for years. He's getting them back. He's getting <laughs> them back right now. So, um, but that's smart. Yeah. No labour done either on this project. But a wealthy person doesn't want to come in here and rip wallpaper off the walls, plaster, paint, decorate, etc. They are looking for a hands-free investment. And there's people all over the country that are looking for hands-free investments. So um, the opportunity is there, but you've got to back yourself and believe you can do it. You can do stuff just like Alex is doing, but you've got to actually go out there and look for them, do the viewings, put the offers in, and let people know that you're looking to do these types of deals. And it will start to happen for you. So, nice project, needs some work, got at a good price. Let's look at the numbers because what I see a lot from people who are especially starting out on property, they hear this thing about below market value yeah. and they see a property on the market for, you know, 150 grand, 120 grand, whatever it may be. And they're trying to buy at 25% below the asking price. And what you're actually meant to look at is not 25% below the asking price. Because if you've got a house like this, maybe it's already priced at the right price. What's important is not the asking price. What's important is the end value. What can it be worth after you've done the work? So let's look at the detail of the numbers on this one, Alex. Um, what was it originally on the market for? So it was on for 110. Right. 
And then when you viewed it, had it dropped in price? Was it still on at 110? Yeah, because one sale had fallen through because of the damp, um, they relisted it at 105. Right. Um, and that's when I viewed it. Okay, so you viewed it at 105. Obviously, this was part of the JV Finance Challenge. What I did after, after you won the challenge, we had a phone call the next day and you told me that you hadn't actually secured the purchase yet. Yeah. Right, so that was an interesting bit of news to me. So we had a look at the numbers and we agreed what offer to put in. So we did a, what I do a lot on deals is I do an even, even odd. So it's a way of making sure that the, the agent and the owner knows that the third offer is your final offer. And sometimes I see people make a massive mistake where they work out what they want to pay for a property and they put that offer in first. But because it's your first offer, the mindset of the agent and the owner is that's your starting bid. It's not your finishing bid, it's your starting bid. So we work out our final bid and then we work backwards. So we sat and we were on the phone, we worked out the three offers we were going to make on this. Yep. What was, you went in at around 101 initially and then 102 or something. What was your yeah, final so I, bid? I think we... Yeah, I think we opened it at like 99, then we did 101, and right. then we went 103767. 103767. And when I told you on the phone to bid 103767, what did you say to me? I was like, why that number? Why? And every time I've done this, the agents always say why. And what I said to Alex on the phone was, as soon as they say to you why, you say, because I've done my numbers, and that is to the pound as high as I can go. Then they know that's the final bit. That's it, it's done. What did they say at the 103767? Did they give, get you the deal at that price or did you have to go higher? No, they agreed to it at that price. They agreed to it at that price. And this works pretty much nine times out of 10. You'll get the deal if you follow the even, even odd offer process. So we secured the deal at 103767. Yep. Purchase price, your cost of refurb, how much are we spending on it? So we're spending 15,000 on the refurb. Okay, so 15K on the refurb is quite a good budget, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we can get an awful lot done in a terraced house for 15 grand. Now, when you look around the property, it looks in quite a state. But reality is most of it's just cosmetic. You've got to do the cosmetic work downstairs. So you've got some um, skimming of the walls, painting of the walls, some new carpets. The kitchen, we're going to extend out the back, but... They've already, the previous owners have already broke through the back wall. So it's just extending out into the extra bit of that little garage space at the back. So the expensive work is done. It's just the cheaper section of the ex extension. Um, paint, decorate, cosmetic stuff upstairs, move the bathroom. But moving the bathroom, the only real expense there, you've got a few hundred quid for, for a partition wall and you've got to put a, um, a lentil in to break into the structural wall to add that cupboard into the bathroom. That's, that's probably the most expensive bit upstairs, but a lintel yeah. cost, have you looked at the cost of that? I think it's about 100, 150 quid for a lintel. 150 quid, and it's one of the most expensive bits on the project. Obviously the labor to do it, but you're talking a few hundred quid to get that done as well. So there's not a huge amount of cost. So 15K budget is mm. pretty good budget to work to. Um, so you've got your 103767 to buy it, your 15K budget, you had your purchase cost. Did you have to be no stamp duty? Yes, we paid 3%. Yeah. Yes, you got your initial. So a lot of people have confused at the moment with the zero stamp duty, where there's no stamp duty if you're buying a residential home or your first purchase. Now, this is Alex's first investment property, but he owns his own home, which means that he has to pay the 3% stamp duty. So the base layer of stamp duty, none to pay, but you have to pay the additional 3% for the either second home or investment property. So 3% stamp duty on 103K is what? Just over three grand. Yep. Um, and then you've got the finance costs on the loan. 
Yep, and the so, legals. And then the legal costs. So all in, with 103 and 15 is 118, and three for stamp duty, 121. Finance costs, you're going to be in for around 125, 6, 7, something like that? Yeah, so the other legals were 3,000. Three, um, right, okay. So, so six grand in all purchase costs. Right. And then um, if we're counting the cost of money as well, that's seven grand. So we're looking at 130-ish all in probably. Yeah. So 130 all yeah, in. That's right. What's the end value? Um, it would be 150. 150. So you're, you've got 100% of the purchase cost funded. You've got 150 end value, 130 all in. Yeah. So twenty grand of equity. Um, what will it What will it rent for when it's done? Um, I believe it will easily rent for six fifty. Six fifty, and you'll yeah. refinance onto a mortgage. Have you worked out yet what the monthly mortgage payment around will be? Yeah, it's going to be about three seventy. So you're going to pay three seventy a month on the mortgage, six fifty rent. Yeah. You're going to manage it yourself or through an agent? I think we'll use an agent for tenant find and setup. Right. And probably manage it on getting yourself. So off. you'll have a one-off tenant find fee. Yeah. Okay. So that's typically probably the around the first month's rent. Yeah. But then, so at three seventy, let's call it thirty quid for maintenance and stuff for four hundred quid. Um, so two hundred and fifty quid a month profit. Even yeah. if you go fifty more out of that, you're looking at around two hundred pound a month profit. Yeah. So twenty grand equity, two hundred pound a month cash flow. Yeah. And that's your, is that your target for, you said 33 deals, are you looking at 200 a month from each deal? Yes, yeah, 200 is the target. So yeah. you, that's what, six and a half grand a month income? Yeah. Okay, so your first one done, second one on the way. Um, pretty good deal, that. Yeah. Pretty good deal. Not bad for so, the first one. Not bad for the first one. Thanks, Alex, for sharing your story about the property. It looks like a really great project. Um, really good pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. It's been so good to be on the podcast. Yeah, I've been watching or listening to it for months and uh, it's been really good to be on it. So what we will do for anyone who's watching the podcast is we will come back maybe later on and we'll have another tour around the property when we're finished it and see what the end product would like. How does that sound? Yeah, you'd be welcome. Brilliant. So you've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. Remember, it's on iTunes and Stitcher. It's out every single Tuesday. So make sure you subscribe, make sure you're listening in on the content. Also, because we've done a tour here in Alex's property today, I'm going to be doing a video of the tour of the property on the Progressive Property YouTube channel. So go and subscribe to the Progressive Property YouTube channel. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, if you've been listening in, you can go and have a look at what the actual property looks like. You can see a tour of the property. So go over to YouTube, Progressive Property YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel and have a watch of that tour and subscribe to the channel so you can stay in touch with future videos there. And the end video when we do a tour of the property in the future, that will be on the YouTube channel as well. There's lots of great content on there. So you've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. I've been Kevin McDonald. You've been absolutely awesome. Boom. Did Done. it. Smashed it.